A woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. That's the third time she called him Lord. Yet the dogs ate of the crumbs which fall from their master's tables. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, I want to emphasize a few things this evening. One of them is this. He that cometh to God must believe that God is. and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And to seek anything with diligence is to work hard at it. If you have a sum of money and you lose it, especially if it is a sizable amount, you will cover every place that you can think of in order to find it. Now, I am like that, and I would imagine you would be like that as well. You will search the house high up and low down, if you lost it after being in the car, you'll go under the seats and into the pockets and you'll search. And even though you haven't found it, you won't believe it is not there and you will go and look and search and look and search again. Like the woman who lost it, I think it was the piece of silver in the New Testament, and she searched and searched until she found it.
She was diligent in her seeking. People come to God. They come with a double-minded attitude. And the Bible says, the double-minded person, let not that man think that he will receive anything from God. For the double-minded man is, the scripture says, unstable in all his ways. We lose so much in life by not being committed to the purpose, presuming, of course, that the purpose is a good purpose. We lose so much by not being committed to it. So we cannot afford to come to God with a double-minded, lax attitude if we expect God to place any importance on the thing that we are asking, we should put some importance on the thing that we are asking ourselves. The psalmist said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. You see, we must get focused and be single-minded in our approach to God. So we can't afford to be double-minded in our approach. He that cometh to God, as I said a minute or two ago, must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And diligently doesn't mean simply that we keep saying the same thing over and over and over. Because Jesus said we are not to use vain repetitions as do the heathen. So being diligent in our approach to God is not simply keeping saying the same thing over and over again. And the word of God further tells us that we are not heard because of our much speaking. Because sometimes we are speaking when we really should be listening. And to approach God diligently means that we don't only ask him for the things that we feel we need, but we listen to him to see if there is an obstacle in the way of the fulfillment of those things. The scripture says of God's people, 
oftentimes that ye ask amiss. Ye ask for things that ye might consume them on your own lust. That is what the Word of God says about the people of God. You should ask. It says, some of you, but when you do ask, you ask amiss that you might consume what you get on your own will, your own desires, the fulfillment of your own wishes. When we approach God, we should approach him with the understanding that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now, we must be diligent in our approach to God. And we must believe. The scriptures tell us, without faith, it is impossible to please God. That is incredible. Because people do so many things that they expect commendation for. But the thing that gets the highest commendation from God is faith. And this is what we see in the story of this woman of Canaan as found in the book of Matthew. Now I want us to look and see her approach. In verse 22 she said, Have mercy on me. You see, it is the mercy of God that we are not consumed. That is what the Bible teaches. It is of his mercy that ye are not consumed. That is what the word of God teaches. If the Lord were not merciful, he would have been so sick of our sin long ago that he would have spewed us out into everlasting punishment. So we needn't think that one is better than another. We all depend on the mercy of God. His mercy, the Bible teaches, is higher than the heaven. And it is deeper than the deepest sea. His mercy is so great that when we come to him depending on his mercy, he takes our sins and he removes them from us as far as the east is from the west. If it were not for the mercy of God, you wouldn't be sitting there tonight 
and I wouldn't be standing here. But because God is a God of mercy, we are here. Have mercy on me, is what this woman said to Jesus. She focused on that great thing, the mercy of God, because it was the mercy of God in Christ that enabled him to send the darling of his bosom from the ivory palaces down to the sin-cursed scene of this world that we live in, and he commended his love toward us. That when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Some of us wandered for years in the wilderness of this world and declined the king's invitation. But in mercy he sought us. With his own blood he bought us. And some of us definitely were in danger of being lost for eternity because oftentimes he called us and we didn't answer. And some of us, when we needed him, we called upon him and he had mercy on us. And when we got over the trouble, we soon forgot him again. Now, that happened to me. And I won't take time to explain it other than to say when I was on the point of death as a young man and I thought I was crossing out of this scene of time, I called upon God for help, mercy, spare me. I'll be good if only you will have mercy on me and help me now. And God had mercy on me and helped me and I got through the trouble, and I don't mean circumstantial trouble, but I mean the trouble of illness. I got through it, but it wasn't all that long before I was before a judge and a jury to give account for law-breaking conspiring to rob, breaking and entering, etc., etc., etc. And once again, in my hour of need, I cried. And in mercy, God heard me again and delivered me out of all my troubles. Thankfully, that time, I didn't forget him anymore. Amen. I surrendered my life to him. So this woman came on the ground of mercy. She didn't plead one single thing that she had done. She came asking for mercy. Have mercy on me. So she came on the grounds of mercy, not on the grounds of worthiness, because we are not worthy. Scripture says all our righteousness is, doesn't say all our sin is as filthy rags. It says all our righteousnesses 
are as filthy rags. The good things that we have done are as filthy rags in the sight of Almighty God. So we need his mercy. Have mercy on me is what she said. Then she said, have mercy on me, O Lord. She called him Lord. You remember the man who was dying alongside of Christ on the cross? When he repented in his heart, acknowledging he was a sinner, for he said to his colleague who was a thief on the other cross with him, saying, we are getting what we deserve, but this man is innocent. And he turned to Christ and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. So that man acknowledged his sin, and he acknowledged the lordship of Christ, and he got the blessed words from Christ, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Have mercy on me, O Lord. She acknowledged him as Lord. She did more than that. She acknowledged him as thou son of David. In other words, she recognized him as something special in the Davidic line. So she gave him a good title. Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. And then she presented her need. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Now, there are many, many things to commend this woman. But I began our discussion or our discourse this evening by focusing on faith. Without faith it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I urge that we have faith with single-mindedness, knowing that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and let not that man think that he will receive anything from God. And tonight I want to say that Jesus looked at all the good characteristics that were displayed in this woman and he focused on one thing. He focused on her faith. She recognized that she needed mercy. She recognized him as Lord she recognized him, if not as the great son of David, she recognized him as a son of David. And she pleaded with him for her daughter. Now, the Lord 
did not focus on her love for her daughter. He didn't say, my woman, thou hast a great love for thy daughter. So he didn't focus on parental love, though this woman had parental love. And we in this meeting tonight should have parental love. We should care about our sons and our daughters, and I'm sure we do. I'm sure we do. But the probation officer and the counsellor is not the place to go to for help for your son or your daughter. The first place to go for help is to Jesus. He's the one to go to because the counsellor cannot be out there where your son or your daughter is. But the Lord Jesus Christ is not limited by time or by space. And if only we can touch him, uh, all things are possible to him that believeth. And with God, nothing shall be impossible. Even though your child may go into a far country, hold him up before Christ. For the same God that has had mercy on you will give them opportunities to accept his mercy. Amen. So he didn't focus on her parental love, uh, commendable as that might be. He did not focus on her earnestness. And she certainly was earnest because when he answered her, verse 23, when he answered her not a word, his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. It is quite apparent that his silence did not put her off. You see, with parental love, you can give up on a situation. But this woman had more than parental love. And even with earnestness, there is no guarantee with earnestness that you will survive. Remember what we said at the beginning? He that cometh to God must believe that God is. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Earnest as we may be, and uh, loving our children as parents, or our relatives for that matter, that kind of love... Uh, can win, and that kind of earnestness can tire. But the love and the earnestness that is on a foundation of faith will not be put off by an apparent silence when it seemed like Jesus was answering her nothing 
to the point where the disciples thought that they could get her sent away. Even then, the woman was not put off because she had faith. But he answered then, when he did break the silence, he broke the silence in a way that could have been very discouraging. Because he said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he was saying, it is not you I am sent to. In this dispensation of my ministry, I am sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But even that word from the Lord did not put her off because she had that one special thing. She had faith. He didn't focus on her sincerity. There was no doubt she was sincere. Nor did he focus on her importunity. And there is no doubt that she was importunate in approaching him. For when he didn't answer her, she still kept a sweet attitude towards her, him. And when he did answer her, and she seemed to be hearing words that would put her off, rather than putting her off, she turned them to her advantage because she had a foundation of fear.